Okay, welcome to Defen episode 4. This is Vijay from Holland. Hi, yeah, this is Ray from Belgium. Hello Ray, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, and uh, enjoying the, the week's wonders of uh, Brexit. Um, but we're staying in Belgium, so I think it's going to be okay. So we'll still continue doing Defen. Yeah, we can do it anywhere. We can do it anywhere. But, uh, <laughs> of course, we're online. Yeah, we're yeah, definitely it's been a pretty, Yeah, it's been a pretty uh, strange week for uh, for Britain. But anyway, let's uh, get back to our uh, non-political closure podcast. So this week we are going to talk about uh, persistence collections, uh, persistent collections. Um, but before we get into the details, uh, we'd like to do a quick follow-up. And uh, first of all, we'd like to thank uh, Mike Fikes, uh, who joined us in the last episode to... Um, explain uh, the repels of uh, that, that he is building, Plank and uh, Replete, etc. And we saw that Plank is trending again and uh, there, there has been a lot of activity or at least interest in, in Plank on GitHub. And we'd like to certainly take the fame of uh, <laughs> advertising yeah. it. Yeah, but it's, I mean, you know, Mike was writing great code before and great code after, but yeah. obviously the, the podcasts, what did it? Yeah. And, and in case uh, people didn't notice, then uh, we just need to uh, tell people that uh, the Plank is now running on uh, Linux as well, uh, at least the beta of it, and also on Windows. So th this is one of the questions that we asked uh, Mike, and uh, yeah, in a week you see, you see this happening. Yeah, that, that, was, so, that was good, yeah. Yeah, so people who are not on Mac, uh, you can also get into uh, Plank uh, up and running pretty quickly, uh, especially Linux as well, so news to rejoice. And continuing with the with the same theme, um, we'll have other guests in the future. So we are we are um, very um, excited to probably have some other uh, interesting guests. We we don't want to announce before we we get a confirmation, but we want to have um, different people who are involved in the community and join join us in the podcast and explain what they're working on. And uh, that'll be a nice thing to do. And if if you are one of them, we'd love to hear from you. And you can hit us on on Slack or Twitter or you know all the regular uh, channels of uh, closure yeah i mean we're, and we're we're awesome together but a little bit better with other people <laughs> as well <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> <laughs> and and one thing that that um, i'd like to uh, point out is that we, we're already having almost an average of thousand listeners or at least thousand plays on the soundcloud so uh, it's pretty awesome. I think we are like the second biggest closure podcast these days. <laughs> definitely, definitely the second biggest. Yeah, right after Cognicast. I haven't seen Cognicast numbers though. Yeah, so. maybe it's the first. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe can maybe. they really compete with that? With that numbers? I don't know. You know. I think okay. I like you. Like you were saying before, though, it's just incredibly. Uh, it's actually a bit scary, just to be honest. It's certainly yeah. very humbling. Um, yeah. Because uh, I, I never thought that we'd get anywhere near that kind of number, on a, especially on a regular basis. It's it's amazing. Okay, it's, yeah. three is not that many so far, I guess. So it, maybe exactly. we'll all just tail off after 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 uh, you know the first ten. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we never know. But we can keep uh, you know people. With let's stay positive. Let's stay positive. Let's stay positive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the, but the nicest thing with having listeners is that um, they they give us feedback and we, we did get a couple of uh, interesting feedbacks from our feedback from uh, from the previous episode. One of it by Jason Gilman. Um, yes. So in in the last episode we said that um, uh, incorrectly that um, Atom's uh, repel is called Atom Inc. But he uh, corrected us saying um, that it's called actually a Proto Repel. So uh, the the, the 
the plugin that is used in Atom is essentially Atom Inc. and it's 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 probably has a has a small role compared to the Apple. So yeah, uh, sorry for that. But uh, thank you, Jason, for listening to the podcast and pointing that out. I'll take my and, fifty lashes, Jason. Uh, I'm very apologetic yeah. about that. Yeah, <laughs> we can all sleep a bit better now, I think. And uh, yeah, right. that that's nailed that one. Yeah. We also, yeah. also just by the way, there was uh, not really follow up as such, but there was a little discussion on uh, on the Twitters about. Uh, whether Ramsey and NASA had done some work around the ClojureScript REPL. There was some, some guy asked him about that because he'd heard on our podcast that, that Ramsey was doing some things via mic. But uh, Ramsey said, oh, no, I just ported it to, I just ported it to Nord. You know, so, so <laughs> yeah, offhand. Yeah. yeah, you know, I spent the five minutes, just ported it over. But, that, you know, that, yeah. that's got a lot of portability. And obviously, he's done great work there. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's really awesome to hear all all this feedback, and um, I'm I'm very happy that people are listening to it and telling us. And and this is something as I was pointing to you before before the show, that um, we have 900 people, or at least I, I hope it's 900 people. It's not just one person listening to it 900 times. <laughs> uh, telling you know <laughs> they're really so, trolling us. That guy's really trolling us. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I, I love that, you know, we're getting feedback from people and, and this is basically podcast is not only just telling people, but also learning experience for me. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same for you as well, I think. Absolutely. Um, God damn it, so, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're like little little babies in this uh, pond, you know. Uh, exactly. We're getting our feet wet part time. There are yeah. some people yeah. doing this full time. Obviously, they've got call committers and everything. So so we're, uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're very much... Uh, we, we, we're trying to educate but also we definitely want to learn I mean you know there's no doubt about that we're we're uh we're very open to feedback and very open to to learning from the the, the, the skilled people that are contributing a lot and you know, we definitely don't want to put ourselves up on a pedestal that's for sure exactly but um thanks a lot for your feedback guys and uh, girls and uh, we'd love to uh, hear more uh, if you have anything interesting uh, or, or did you hear anything wrong or interesting then if you and we're also getting some positive feedback as well, and that that gives us some uh, um, energy to to continue doing this one. Um, but we want to move to the next uh, next uh, section or whatever we want to call. Um, <laughs> We've so, got sections now, yeah. <laughs> yay! So we are getting professional now. Uh, we'll we'll get back to it pretty quickly, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 sorry, I heard that you you were um, doing a uh, presentation at. Um, in, in Belgium, right? Right. Well, actually, we're trying to. We're going to do a little uh, meet up this coming week uh, in Brussels uh, about live coding. Uh, mm. So it's more of a it's more of a kind of hack night. Hopefully, we're going to get people set up with. Uh, we've got you know we've got a reasonable you know it's a fairly small audience but we, but but you know a very very uh, highly curated audience let's say uh, yeah. who are going to <laughs> come out in a on a on a Tuesday night in Brussels and we're going to do a little bit of uh, live coding and actually we're going to do it with um, with boot and hoplon uh, okay. because we think that uh, it's a bit underrepresented and it looks very interesting it's uh, it's uh, yeah I think it's going to be a fun evening you know and yeah. uh uh, it'll be very interesting to get a little bit of feedback from guys and uh, and girls and we do actually get a, a mix uh, of of people so mm-hmm. I, I, t- I tend to say guys by the way and i, t- I mean guys and girls yeah. uh, it's it's this is uh it, we i have to learn a bit because it's uh yeah. 
I like forks for some reason. Yeah, forks, I think forks that's is much, bit much better. <laughs> that's yeah, true. I don't, I'm not a fan of forks actually. Fork, yeah. fork sounds like four Q, you know. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, I, I don't know. We're, we're living in a difficult yeah. world. Uh, but uh, yeah. guys and girls and ladies and gentlemen and uh, all people are welcome for sure. And uh, so yeah, so we're, we're doing this thing on on Tuesday. Um, okay. <clears throat> but the but yeah, we, we do what we've anybody's in. Sorry, go on. Yeah, go on, Vijay. Yeah. So. A shout out to anybody who is in nearby Brussels, I think they should join and uh, enjoy the company of Ray and uh, other people who are making this awesome, I suppose. So, you suppose, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Supp- supposedly, you know, it's Belgium. <laughs> if, if you have read Hitchhiker to the Galaxy, you know, Hitchhiker Guides to the Galaxy, it's, it's Belgium, man. Belgium, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the one of the reasons why you know Brexit is happening because of Belgium. But uh, I'll try and make it a bit less painful on Tuesday anyway. Okay, well, I'm sure so it's, it's a pretty awesome yeah, place. So yeah. one of the things in terms of like pain, I did want to have a little bit of a shout out about this uh, this disturbance in the force that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, where this mm-hmm. uh, this Ashton Kamerling guy um, talked about uh, various complaints and had. Um, a whole bunch of uh, issues that he thought were beyond the pale and uh, you know it's a terrible situation I don't know what, what did you think about that that whole thing Vijay yeah I mean I think people should should express themselves that's pretty fine yeah, but, definitely. Um, I mean obviously we can't speak for the people without knowing them in person yeah, you know, there might be a lot of frustrations behind the blog post I mean I appreciate the blog post but I think the tone was a bit too harsh I think um, but I in my opinion, I can say that for the both sides, uh, well, both when I say both sides, because he was complaining about the closure core committers not uh, uh, not responding to the to the tickets or something. Uh, I, I don't want to go into individual tickets or something because I, Alex Miller did a great job of um, explaining um, the the issues behind each of these uh, um, item by item. You know, he gave the response, so I think he he did a pretty good job. But at the same time. Uh, from the side of uh, Cognitech slash Core, Closure Core guys, um, it could have been a bit more diplomatic. It could have been more like a uh, positive leadership sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that, that's what my personal opinion is. I mean, again, you know, I don't know Rechiki in, in person. Obviously, you know, everybody is, is doing everything. But uh, especially when you're limited in communication on the Internet, in, in Twitter or those things, then in my opinion, you should be more careful in terms of what, um, yeah, what, what you're going to say. So I was a bit surprised. Uh, yeah. I think it's, uh, to be perfect, I think what happens is that people get frustrated and, you know, they, they hear some of these negative comments come out. And, but I think, honestly, as, as, the, as the community grows a little bit, you're going to get these odd yeah. people that, well, not the odd people. I mean, you know, I think, I think, uh, um, Ashton has got a voice in the community for sure, you know, and he yeah, he, yeah. he used it. Uh, he's yeah. entitled to do that, as you say. He's allowed yeah. to complain. People are allowed to complain. Um, yeah. I think what we what how we respond to that is is important. And like you yeah. say, Alex did a great job of responding very patiently and very calmly. What what yeah. I wasn't I wasn't very happy about the the response of uh, of Rich and Stu about it. To be honest, I thought they could have done a better, a more positive um, leadership role. Um, yeah, but you know that that's uh, that's their choice, of course. Um, but I thought it was a little bit, yeah, a little bit snarky, which I, 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 yeah. I don't, don't think we need that. I, I get, I get, I understand that it's frustrating when people complain, mm-hmm. and and actually, 
one of the things that Alex said uh, in his um, in his uh, in his responses was that a lot of the things that are coming up through things like spec etc are actually yeah. helping to fix a lot of the concerns that uh, yeah. that Ashton raised. So so I felt like it would have been a bit nicer just to have had a positive throw on that and to say hey you know look although you know you might think we're wasting our time here there's yeah. a lot of good coming out of this stuff um, yeah that's true because the the community is doing great things as well because it's not just the closure core i mean there are lots of libraries written by the community yes. you know the com- coming from ring and all the way to plank for example you know all, yeah. all, all these things that we're using day in and day out it's yeah. not just uh, i mean of course I, I i didn't contribute a lot yet but uh, I can imagine I'm, we are standing on the shoulders of the Jains, you know, speak, so everybody is doing their part. But I, I think you see this in every every community. They, they go through this, uh, uh, there was an example like this storming, norming, performing, you know, in, in terms of the community probably. But yeah. every, everything. So every community will will have their own left pad situation. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> No, but the funny the so, funny thing about it was that I saw this thing from uh, this Rob Pike. There was a similar kind yeah. of thing. This very recently, actually, even just a week or two yeah. ago, with Rob Pike saying, "Oh shit, you know, all you people that don't know, I don't know, some some floating point operations or something. If you don't know floating points or some other things, then you're not, you know, you're not entitled to program anything." And it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. And apparently, he then kind of recanted on this and said, "Oh well." It was negative, and what I really meant to say was, you know, mm-hmm. you can always learn more, and foundation stuff helps. And honestly, yeah. if you do the foundation stuff, it'll be better. But yeah. I think this is a th- the sort of thing that we can learn from as a community. Basically, is yeah, we get frustrations. I understand that, but but I think what 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 would be nice um, would be to start looking at. I know Alex did something a while ago. Um, mm. when he kind of joined Cognitech because he's the kind of community outreach guy basically isn't he um, yeah yeah and I think he's doing a great job in general uh, but they started to do this thing about you know how do you how one of the complaints I think or one of the issues is how does closure work and how does the community contribute and and there's some stuff around the documentation but I but I checked it again and it's, it's a little bit untended it's a little bit kind of you know not very well uh, it's not part of this kind of refresh that Cognitech have had recently of their website um, mm. and they don't talk about it very much and I, you know, I don't know what, what you yeah. think I think it would be I think to make that a bit more transparent would be quite good yeah I, there has been a lot of discussion online about the way the, the project is run I mean I, I don't have any complaints about the, the way that it is run no, because no. I, I know the amount of effort needed by uh, by multiple people to keep a language and the core library up and running uh, but the thing that I, at least I have, um, I sympathize with the notion that we need to come to terms with how a project is run because people say, hey, this is not real open source, this is real open source or whatever. Uh, it, it is, it is um, you know, Rich, Rich uh, Hickey's project and uh, it is Cognitech's project and makes sense. And um, we need to accept that. It's not like a completely community-driven sort of thing yet even in the community driven projects i mean you need a benevolent dictatorship you know that that's one of the things that uh, i think is 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 making closure great because there is a lot of thought going into into how to uh, how to introduce new features or how to triage the things um, but at the same time it would be much more interesting if if um, if closure leadership or the core guys were much more transparent or explicit about these things 
Yeah. So um, you were suggesting that there should be a nice talk about, uh, or at least a talk at, at one of the conferences, right? Well, that's the sort of thing that I think would be would be uh, would be potentially very uh, a good a good olive branch to the community to say, you know, look, this is how this is how things are organised. Um, yeah. You know, maybe just do a bit more work on these kind of uh, community oriented things and and explain a bit about how 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 it all works. How because yeah. I mean, it, I mean, you say it's like Rich Hickey Shaw, and it, he started mm-hmm. obviously, but there's more there's yeah. more people involved now. They're, obviously, you say Cognitech. There's a group of core mm-hmm. developers there. There's a core team mm-hmm. has been for a long time, so it's definitely not just Richard Shaw. You know, he's kind of like. Uh, you know, he's the editor in chief. That's for sure. You know, mm. things have to get past him, and, and it's great to have someone with his taste and his experience and all that kind of stuff being mm. the, the 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 editor in chief of the language. I think you need that, and you need a direction. Uh, and mm. I'm all for that. And I think we've, in the end, we can see that we've got a really great um, a great environment there. But I think we could just do with a little bit more uh, explanation about about transparency about that, and I think a conference uh, talk from from one of those guys would be would be really interested. And of course, we're 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 going to the Euro closure in October, and Cognitech yeah. are hosting it. So, I think you know, as a as a suggestion, you know, a, a small yeah, yeah. a small suggestion. I think that would be yeah. that would be my suggestion. Yeah, I hope, maybe, I hope, maybe, I hope in, I don't feel. I, I, if they don't do it, I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> okay? get, I'm not going to write a blog <laughs> exactly. post about it. But, but if yeah, they could yeah. do that, that would be really nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm I think it's like a community outreach, quote unquote, community outreach yeah. uh, talk or something. That'll be nice. Yeah. But anyway, I, I don't want to dwell too much on on the on on the on the news. Uh, let's let's get to the meat of the show or the okay. I don't know if it is called meat of the show. Probably. Um, well, I'm so a vegetarian. About, I don't know about you, VJ. So. Well, I'm I'm a vegetarian. Oh, it's so a vegetarian speaking... show. This is what... <laughs> <laughs> so no meat on this show. Okay, this is a oh, this is a show so, without meat. Yeah. Okay, so this is the best vegetarian closure <laughs> podcast. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. Now, now, now we are the best in some category. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Let's uh, get Excellent. to the get to the topic of the week um, or the topic uh, of the biweekly podcast. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about immutable persistent data structures. Um, so, first, let us see what what kind of collections are available in in, in Clojure. Because one of the one of the bread and butter, or the metaphorical bread and butter of of all these functional programs, are basically lists. So, well, Lisp, yes, list, yeah. list processing. Uh, you know, that's where we are. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, obviously, when you're processing lists, um, there are there are two ways. Or, I mean, you can say actually three ways of uh, storing the data. Right. I mean, you have uh, you have a data structure optimized for putting the data in front of the list. Um, I'm, I'm still calling it a list, but um, and then you, you need another data structure where it is optimized for appending. So yeah. append optimized. And obviously you want a data structure where you want to be efficient when putting the data at the end and then putting taking the data from the front. So that's basically a queue. So you have three different ways of looking at the data structures uh, that, that are list-based. So Obviously, closure has list and it has a, a vector. Uh, there are two two important things, and I think list is fundamentally uh, everybody uh, who, who uses uh, who, who read a bit of data structures knows uh, what a linked list is. So every node has a link to the other node. So list is essentially a linked list, and then vector is a, is a, um, a tree implementation, and then you have a way to basically vector. You can see it as a indexed. Um, in this indexed element, so you have a really fast lookups, and you can go to the item pretty quickly. 
um so that's that's those, those are the kind of uh workhorses so to speak right um, yeah i think what i like about actually uh, about these kind of things is that when mm-hmm. when they were introduced when rich introduced all these they kind of explained what the um what the big old notation was around yeah. each of these things you were talking about so they they explained oh you know if you want to access the nth record or append yeah. something to the end these are the kind of um, performance characteristics you can get from that and, I, and that yeah. was the really i don't know about you but that was kind of the first time that i'd seen that in a in a language at a kind of uh i i knew the uh, i knew the big old notation before obviously but well not obviously mm. but i knew the big old notation but um but i didn't uh i didn't see it very very uh, commonly on um mm. on on data structures so I think that's one of the nice things about closure for me actually is that they're very uh they're very open about that they're very open about how the the data structures have been designed exactly yeah. to kind of to to give people a lead on the kind mm-hmm. of data structures they should be using and when they should be using them and I yeah. think that's a really uh that's that, that's a great example actually to me of yeah. a very simple but very powerful documentation. Mm. Yeah of course I mean because this is what this is like a one dimensional way of storing the data well, not one dimensional but essentially list is basically you have a bunch of things you want to store them and um you you also need to store stuff that um especially in enclosure you have maps and sets and um yes so a map is a a map <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it's pretty tricky to explain right okay you have a key and a value so you want to have a associative data structure yeah that's yeah, what i was yeah. looking for well they call them dictionaries so, in other languages don't they yeah. yeah yeah i think in python they're called dictionaries i, yeah, think. I think in ruby yeah, as well. yeah 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 true so it's basically an associative uh, data structure so you have a key and then you have a value so you can have um, anything you want oh that that's another interesting thing in, in enclosure if people who are uh, used to the typing then in a list you can store anything i mean it's not a list of int so it's not a list of something so it's basically heterogeneous so all the data structures closure being a dynamic language um in a vector you can store a string and uh, i don't know a person record or anything you want so yeah yeah that's actually quite uh, one of the amazing things actually isn't it uh, that it's not yeah. like that you have all these generic things but you don't have to declare them mm-hmm. as anys you know or anything like that you can just if they are automatically you can you can be homogeneous or heterogeneous as you see fit Yeah yeah exactly and for the maps it's uh, well the key can be any unique thing obviously and if you if you see the way um the uh, all these things are backed by obviously uh, java interfaces so if you want to build your own uh, version of it uh, there are there are interfaces backed by uh, all, all these data structures that we have so and and then there is set uh, which is basically a mathematical set uh, so all the unique elements will be saved um Well yeah I mean th- these things are pretty difficult to explain right I mean how do you define a yeah set is a collection of elements where everything is unique right Yeah maybe that's uh, the same Yeah I think so I think it's like you say I think like you say so it's a mathematical set <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. people get that I think you know yeah, I'm pretty sure The main thing is that you can put the key in as many times as you want or the the key mm. value pair and if they mm. match then they will just get either just yeah. dropped or um you know they'll be put into the set um so that's really good um the other, the thing i i find as well is that with the uh, keys and sets is that th- both the keys and the sets can be keywords uh, the keys and the mm-hmm. values can be keywords and that's also a bit um it's a bit funky isn't it to have uh, yeah, these yeah. You, it's fine to have keywords as as keys but you can also have yeah. them as values as well um yeah 
so that's that's kind of uh, uh, funky. I mean, I think the whole keyword concept is a bit lispy, isn't it? Is it? Uh, I, I don't yeah. I don't see that in other languages. Yeah, that's true. And, and also, the the nicest part in Clojure is that the maps are functions of their keys, so you can ah. just use keys as a function. So that that makes yes. your code pretty clean because you don't need to say get everywhere. Yeah. You know, get this key out. You can just say key and then the map, and then you get the value out. So that's that's um. Nice, nice touch, by the way, if you want to write uh, clean code. Yeah, that's a very good so point, that is, actually, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, and the, the set things have all these uh, relational operations as well. Um, yeah. And they're, they're, they're deliberately outside of the, the core system. And that, that's one of his complaints, actually, from the earlier conversation. I yeah, don't want yeah, to get into yeah. the details of that, but, you know, <laughs> but, it, but they're very definitely kind of outside yeah. of, the, of the, the core system. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure. But for that. the sets, I think from the implementation, not the sets, but the maps from the implementation point of view, they are, they are I think they are extending the, the sets. So because map is, uh, map's property is that the combination of key value is unique and a set is essentially the same that, you know, every element is unique. So if you treat an element as a key value pair, so map is essentially a set. Um, so I think in, in Clojure, um, map is uh, I persistent map, I think uh, I for the interface, and then that 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 extends the persistent set. So, well, th these things are I think people can look it up easily and then um, they get it. But mathematically speaking, a map is nothing but or not nothing but but essentially feels and behaves like a set um, because when if you squint, then key and value to be single elements, then it's basically a set of uh, key value pairs. Uh, but the, the interesting point in, in Clojure is that all of these um, data structures are, are uh, there is an underlying structure called a sequence in, 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 in Clojure, right? Yeah, yeah, so, that's, that's really a, a foundational thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that gives you uh, kind of a, you can, you can get a sequence out of any of these data structures and then perform the operations that Lisp people are more familiar with. Um, basically, first and the rest, and uh, next and cons, and th those kind of uh, functions you get them for any persistent collection. So th that that is one of the interesting features of Clojure is that you have this sequence library that you can use, and um, you you have the same functions working on uh, any any persistent collection that is implementing the seek interface or not implementing, but uh, works with the similar structure. Then you can you can use first next. And cons and rest onto the same uh, same data structure. I think this is what um, you, you corrected me in one of those episodes where when I said the hundred <laughs> functions uh, data structure thingy. Yeah, you bring it up again. It's, yeah, of course. You know. <laughs> hey, I'm wrong, so I need to tell people I'm wrong. So <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, I don't mean a house. It's, it's like the internet yeah. thing, right? You know, yeah. you, you just say yeah. quoted by Einstein. I, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it but yeah, but, but but to your point though, I mean this uh, the, the this is one of the weaknesses of uh, of of uh, like earlier Lisps, wasn't it? Was that hmm. that people tended to write kind of functions against their specific data structures, uh, yeah. and one of the uh, unifying things around Clojure was to have um, th this uh, common interface to to all of the collections. So that you could do this kind of you know, again, if you if you yeah. code against sequences, and if you, you know, write your libraries to to use sequences, 
then yeah. you get much more reuse uh, for all of those functions, all of those common functions. Mm. So, so you it's have a much, common, common baseline. Yeah. yeah, so it's just one of these like design things, isn't it? It's good to be aware of. You know, as soon as you put yourself into, well, I'm dealing with you know, lists or I'm dealing with uh, vectors, then you're kind of mm. boxing yourself in. You know, so it's much better to have um, some kind of functions that will take a sequence and give back a yeah, sequence. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 also um, all these functions. They're basically if you put sequence in, you get sequence out. So it's it's uh, you're working on a different abstraction, but uh, there there are some fun things people bump into, especially using all these functions and expect you know different. Uh, they don't expect a different type, but uh, that is one thing I think people need to be a bit more um, wary about. I think. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes you find this, don't you, when you're doing the REPL, that you, 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 you start to, I don't know, do some some mapping function or something, and then yeah. uh, you, you find that you get back a, a list where you really wanted a vector, so you've got to put a vec in, in, or you get back three lists and you really want to concatenate them, but you can't concatenate them in this particular instance. You've got to into them or... Or then you can yeah. concat them when you do some changes, and it, 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 that's a bit annoying, actually, to be honest. Um, mm. But it, it's something you get used to for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, but it, you kind of uh, you do it. You have to kind of. That's the nice thing about the REPL development, like we talked about last time, is that you can do all interactive stuff, see what the functions give you, see what this mapping function gives you back, adjust yeah. accordingly, um, and then you're off. But. But actually, the, one of the things that uh, that we might talk, well, we will talk about a little bit later, is Spectre, which looks at trying to unify this a little bit more. Um, yeah. Do you want to just but, quickly talk about these other bigger functions as well, like uh, like zip and stuff like that? Mm. Because so there is a clo closure zip, and then there is closure walk, and there is XML. All all these data structures. Well, the, all these um, libraries they can use the same interface to implement. Uh, similar behavior so you can have the first rest uh, next and all these functions so that the, the idea behind is that you, you have uh, same uh, lesser number of data structures and then you have multiple functions operating on it and then once you have a baseline then you can implement your own persistent collections on top of other things as well yes so that is that is an interesting uh, concept in closure though uh, but the, the, so these are essentially the, the workhorses of closure right I mean because closure is so data centric um, you have individual um, atoms. Uh, well, I don't want to call it atoms, but atom is a lispy word. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, in individual things that, that you can, uh, or, or the indivisible things like the numbers and characters, etc. And then next step you need is to collection of these things. So the um, lists and vectors and maps and sets are the workhorses of, of, uh, of closure because, you know, data is one of the biggest... Uh, uh, driving force behind closure code, but we we, we kept on saying this is persistent. Um, maybe in the in the closure vibe, I'd like to. I actually looked up, uh, so I need to define what persistent you, means. You, so, you, you did some homework. Uh, not, <laughs> A little this bit. Is not, this is not really allowed, well, you know. Because <laughs> uh, you're, you're going to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, the, the only thing that I'm a bit, I I'm a bit caught off guard by that, actually, Vijay. You no, know, looking no, no. things I, up, that's a bit. We shouldn't be doing that, really. Yeah. I, I know. I promise to be stupid. <laughs> so, 
but but the one thing remember you know uh, one of the running meme in the closure community maybe not anymore but uh, every time richiki starts with the presentation and he'll ah, explain yeah, the yeah, definition yeah, of yeah, it yeah 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 the word thing yeah, yeah exactly so persistent what does it mean so persistent uh, adjective means continuing to exist or occur over prolonged period all oh, right okay so that that's yeah, that's what i i see from the definition so that, that sounds but, right to me yeah yeah <laughs> okay so the why are we calling this data structures persistent because the they continue to exist so if you if you create a list and then you append to a list or a conj onto a list then the previous um so essentially we are creating a copy of the list because we are interested in immutability but the idea behind is that you you still have the older versions of the data lying around yeah. so when you pass the list around you can still get access to it yeah, i think it's a terrible so, word by the way in this i mean I, yeah. I, i know that i know that it predates database persistence so so people yeah. want to use it but but i think i think it doesn't explain things very well i think it would be better if it was something like generational um yeah because yeah, that's true. that that's it's it's a bit, it feels more normal to talk about it like that like version managed data structures or generational data structures um yeah. because persistent data structures just sounds like they're being kept on a disk somewhere and we I, exactly. i know they're not i know it's durable i get it but you know yeah. but i think it confuses newcomers this concept yeah. that that it's persistent it will stay forever because as you say from the di- from the dictionary from that dictionary mm. definition that's not what this yeah. is Yeah yeah but that's that's something that I think we need to live with and, and right, okay. <laughs> every time every time we need to say persistent and then okay when i say persistence yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean database I know, and then I know, and it's like I, it's I think, kind of like to me i'm not a fan of that really i i know that yeah. it's it's a, it's the right word for this context but it's uh yeah. it's not very friendly i think but but anyway yeah. okay like like you said it is what it is but but yeah. it really means generational it means that if if you if you create if you add something to the collection or or delete something from a, from the collection then what yeah. you get back is you know the previous version of that collection still exists yeah. so but the interesting <clears throat> uh, thing with persistent data structures is that they they don't necessarily by uh, i'm trying to compose my thoughts here they they don't necessarily mean that they are immutable in a, in a, in that sense but they they become immutable because that is the only that is the way you implement them and also the thing is it depends on what kind of persistent data structure you have because you can have a completely persistent data structure uh what that would entail is that you can you can because as as we are saying every time you modify your generating a new version mm. but uh, you don't necessarily have access to all these versions of the data so once you once you create a new version then the older version is available for reading only and you cannot quote unquote modify uh, the older versions but if you can uh, access the older versions and modify it then it is like a uh, completely persistent or something uh, something like that but if you cannot access the previous versions i think it's called uh, partial or uh, okay maybe i need to look up the proper <laughs> words but uh, it, it's not fully persistent it's not completely persistent because um you 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 can only access the new new or the latest version so that's the that's the fundamental idea behind it but yeah i mean the, the one of the nicest things with the persistent data structure because they they enable functional programming because you can you are free to send uh, references to a persistent data structure to across all the places so that that's why they they are pivotal in making immutable functional uh, programming thing 
but one of the uh, well, well a little bit of history is that um, they're implemented as a um, based on uh, late uh, Phil Bagwell uh, Bagwell's paper uh, that called I think ideal hash trees or something and um, they they they're called hash array map tree so the if you, if you if you create some sort of a mental model of it so persistent data structure is essentially like a like a tree uh, or at least they're if i remember correctly or if i understand correctly they're um, much more efficient to uh, create a tree out of uh, tree based data structures so once you have a kind of a binary tree or or something then um, then then it is easy to say okay there is a new version coming in uh, so you have um, one list you have the second list and you want to um, concatenate them and then what happens is that the new list is created and, and you have the first list and the second list is essentially a pointer to the original list so you don't need to copy the whole thing so that, that's how they're implemented but um, I think it, it was um, Phil Bagwell who, who made the original version and then Richie ported it to uh, Java uh, or at least to Clojure yeah. so that, that is one of the um, uh, yeah, biggest things in Clojure I think uh, there was a talk by Richie almost uh, six years ago about uh, how how this thing scales up and yeah and 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 one of the advantages is that because the um, uh, usually if you if you imagine a binary tree and you can scale it up to depending on the number of nodes that you have at the leaf node uh, you can scale it up and uh, enclosure they are basically 32 uh, uh, 32 nodes at the at the leaf so that gives you a large scalability and what would that mean is that you, your performance is going to be effectively uh, log n, I think, or log 32 base n. I think it's log think, 32, but I think it becomes yeah. log log 1 by the time you get to yeah. a, by the time you get a million records. It's, it's nothing, is it, basically? Exactly. And, and the number is, I think, you need to have at least a billion uh, records of them to actually go to the 2 power 32 limit when, when it is going to hit the performance thing but usually you're not you're not going to have a billion things in in one array or in one list no i hope no. i think <laughs> the point was wasn't it that it, like like you said before like doing these persistent mm -hmm. data structures where you have all these generations i think people people felt well not just felt people knew that yeah. it was very yeah. inefficient uh in terms of memory use um so it made it impractical essentially to have um, the persistent data structures and you know fully persistent data structures like we have in Clojure. So people have made yeah. all these countermeasures to only have, oh, I'll just keep the previous version and then you know drop all the old ones. Uh, exactly. So to have fully persistent collections where it is actually efficient as well, that's the yeah. that's the secret source, isn't it, to this to this uh, Phil Bagwell's uh, paper? Yeah, yeah. It's not a secret yeah. source. Okay, you published it, but you know. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> But then every every other uh, language has uh, not every other language. I think Scala has uh, persistent collections as well, thanks to Phil Bagwell. Yes, yes. Um, and and Richiki took it over, and then we have this uh, thirty-two um, node-based uh, persistent data structures um, that 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 form the fun foundation of closure data structures. And um, essentially, they're immutable, and and the immutability is the thing that is bringing in the closures. The other uh, I don't know sales pitch that is uh, closure is very concurrency friendly and uh, you can write um, very easy uh, you can write concurrent programs pretty easily because you know everything is immutable so you're free to pass around the the yes. stuff around uh, that that makes things much much easier so that that's that's I think what I'm, what my understanding is about immutability and persistence and yeah I think that the other 
key um, nature of these uh, collections is that they're lazy. So um, just, they probably just, don't get up in the morning quickly or something. I'm just going to say one <laughs> other thing about these immutable yeah. data structures that maybe is, is a bit kind of subtle. It's not Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. it's not subtle. Maybe I'm just a bit yeah. dumb, but uh, I think it was, it was a bit subtle to me anyway, was that <laughs> the fact is... If you if you hand over a version of you know you run run a uh, algorithm over uh, a version of the persistent data structure, you can mm -hmm. still keep on adding to it um, yeah. outside of that run, and that uh, un that's what you avoid in closure is this concurrent modification exception that you can yeah. you can modify that data structure while mm -hmm. the algorithm is going over the previous version of the data structure. Uh, yeah. that, that's the magic to me, you know, that, mm. that is where you win because you see, you know, the version that you've got is completely stable. You know, it's yeah. very much like, like Git in that sense, isn't it? You know, you of check course. out the code and you can do what you want with it. It's only when you put it back uh, that, uh, well, that's not quite like Git. Okay, forget it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I mean, you, you have this, this um, freedom to, to pass the data around, you know, without worrying about it. Otherwise, if you're writing in Java, then, then you're locking all the time or you're synchronizing all the crap and you're worrying about, oh, damn it, I'm modifying this one here. I need to wait for uh, in, in the other thread. And, and it, it becomes much more complex. Uh, the, the more mutability comes into the picture, you know, then... then it's becoming much more difficult to uh, form the model of the program in your mind and making sure that if the program is robust and resilient for, for multi-threaded um, execution. Well, I mean... So that is one thing. Yeah, I that, mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I know that... Uh, I think... I think I don't, Did Rich say this? That he read the book by um, Brian Goetz about uh, yeah, so, concurrency yeah, the, the and concurrency. parallelism in Java, and then he said, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I need to write... <laughs> I need to write closure. Uh, exactly. But yeah, it's kind of, it is like that, because I remember writing, you know... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, a program many years ago in Java mm. that required, yeah. required synchronization. I was using some sorted sorted uh, sorted tree map. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was it doesn't really matter. It was to do with PDF generations, but mm. I'll, I'll give you the, the skinny on it. You had to do some. You, what I wanted to do was to basically throw the PDFs. You know, say I had ten pages. I wanted to have each of those pages rendered on the server side individually and then I wanted them sorted on the way back uh, mm. but it was very difficult with um, with Java to have like lots of operations all going on at different levels all the time in the end mm. I had to go very coarse-grained on the locks just because I, I needed to do something deliver something it was very yeah. inefficient in the end I know that and it was a lot I, I could get a lot I would have been able to get a lot of, be of better performance out of it um, mm. but I just didn't, didn't have time to do what you said I didn't have time to analyze all yeah. of the possible um, cockups that could have went wrong, you know. Yeah. I did find a few cockups in testing, which is why I ended up just yeah. eventually making the, the locking coarser and coarser grained, um, mm. to the point where I just locked everything. Uh, yeah. Which was <laughs> honestly, I'm sorry, everyone, about that. It was pretty dumb, <laughs> but I had a deadline to meet, and it, you know, it, yeah. it worked. But but it was it was very inefficient. Whereas with this kind of stuff. You know, yeah. you're, you're on safe ground. You know, you're putting that stuff in there. You throw it out. It all comes back. Um, it's yeah. all lock-free. Um, it's very stable. And it, it gives you those kind of opportunities for for optimizing optimizing your performance without worrying about yeah. those locks. Because I think that's... Yeah, uh, that's true. Because it's, it's a lot of headache to, to think about yeah. all those kind yeah. of things and to test them. Yeah. And as you say, to, to really guarantee it and formally prove it 
It's almost mm. impossible, and certainly no yeah. normal working programmer would do that. Mm. I mean, I, I wrote some network programming um, in my previous incarnation, um, or, or I don't know, previous life. <laughs> um, do, do you believe the, in that as well? By the way, the vegetarianism. <laughs> well, I'm I'm persistent, so there was a version before me. You know, remember the how Richie was introducing the concept of you know the the ID and the value. Oh yeah. So you know there is a person, and then you have person has an age, but has some some age, and it's it's changing all the time. But at that time, it is a fact. So that is the core of datomic. Well, let's not get there. Well, but, but you're right, though. I mean, no, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I mean the whole point about this about this is that yeah. is that it translates very well into into the into the datomic world. Uh, we're yeah, not going to yeah. go there now, obviously. But, but in yeah. general, that's what datomic is, isn't it? It's basically this yeah. whole thing. Um, yeah. But on a disk somewhere, or on a yeah. on a cloud storage somewhere, yeah. so you have truly persistent data structures. Okay, they're the okay, they're durable, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the words of uh, Atomic, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah, they add durability to this kind of whole collection thing, yeah. um, which I think makes it super appealing as well, you know, because yeah. then you you can the, the notions scale out, don't they? You know, you scale mm. in one kind of. Um, in one thread or one virtual machine, and um, with mm -hmm. Datomic, it then suddenly scales out to you know across many, very many virtual machines. Yeah, and also you get the immutability at the at the at the data data level yes. in the database yes, as well. Yes. You can say okay, because that that's how the world operates, right? At some point, those are facts. I mean, they don't just change. You just add more information. Yeah, yeah. That 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 makes the older information obsolete. I mean, you don't just replace. Uh, you don't just change it in place, but there is a new version of it being available. But anyway, so um, we'll do, we'll so, do a, a talk about that another time, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, sure. it's, it's great stuff. So I mean, but it's yeah. it's good to know that. Uh, I think just to, just to round it off is that you know a lot of this stuff comes from, you know, a lot, mm. a lot of the the further work comes from these you know, these foundational things. Yeah, and then we have this. Of course, you know, these collections are lazy. So yeah. by by lazy. When we say you know it's not realizing the entire collection because of course you can uh, read the entire uh, Wikipedia into memory and then put it into a collection line by line, then um, but but you want if you want to process it lazily then you need the lazy thing. So the idea behind laziness is that you only um, realize or reify is proper word I think <laughs> to to make it into come into existence. That's that's what reify means I guess. Anyway so. If you have a, it, if you have a, uh, uh, well, that's not. You, you should have looked it up in the dictionary. <laughs> and, I, I promised that this this show is going to be at, at my stupidity is is going to be at a constant level. So I don't want to cross it. But um, anyway, what I was trying to express is that if you have a collection and you don't necessarily need to realize all the values, yeah. you don't need to compute them. So you you compute them on the uh, as and when needed. And that that makes it the whole thing uh, lazy. So then then also the advantage there is that now you can have infinite um, collections. The um, you can have all the numbers. Okay, give me a range from one to infinity, and then because you actually don't need all those things, but you can ask it for okay, give me first ten, give me first twenty, whatever. So that that makes things lazy. It's an interesting but comparison, that, out there, isn't it? Because yeah. the, the question then is like, what's what's a collection versus a stream of data values? Yeah. But that's I think we are we are now crossing the boundary and then going into the transducer view of the world, I suppose. If if you say, yeah, it's just a collection and it is supposed to just give you the next one when you ask for it, then 
it could be a channel it could be data coming over the network it could be anything so it's not a collection per se ah and, yeah but i think what you're what you're hinting at is that or what you're talking about is like this whole lazy evaluation thing is that yeah. it can be it can be a collection that you're reading from but that collection can be generated through some function um, exactly and it's the it's the lazy what should we say like when you we, I mean, lazy evaluation lazy evaluation yeah because yeah, what you're yeah. really doing is if if, yeah. if you make a collection if i make a collection of mm. of 100 records then that's not mm. lazy is it i mean it, it it really has got 100 records in it yeah, it's where i course, it's yeah. when you want to uh when you want to put a, a function over that that mm. that that particular that particular finite or infinite collection isn't it that that's the the lazy part yeah that's true but one of the one of the trickiest parts with the lazy things i i remember um uh, when somebody asked uh, simon peter jones the one of the authors of uh, haskell yeah. um so he said how would you uh, change if you have to redesign haskell now he said okay i would remove the laziness really because yeah yeah because that is um, one of the because the laziness gives you kind of weird surprises because haskell is completely lazy at every point even the function evaluation and everything mm. and that 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 makes debugging painful because you you have no idea when things are going to be called so if you, if you have a network of functions and you have no control on when something uh yeah what is the execution model of the program so he said okay i i, I would avoid laziness and and i'd go for a strict by default then introduce the laziness whenever you want so uh, that's that's an interesting uh yeah, interesting uh, viewpoint of the lazy laziness though i thought i but, thought the uh cuz uh, i think you've uh, read sicp as well or looked at the yeah, yeah. cuz i remember yeah. in the sicp thing they were talking about laziness weren't they and they were saying the problem with laziness is that you don't know if something's going to come yeah actually when you're trying to unify yeah. two streams for example mm-hmm. um you know you don't know what 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 the order of the arrival is and and we know from from uh from the event stream processing world that stra- yeah. stragglers are a, a kind of a problem um mm. anyway i was gonna uh, yeah. <laughs> we're getting a bit advanced there i think uh yeah, yeah. we or out in the woods let's say the, the, one of the examples we were talking about before though was this um like comparing like uh, a lazy evaluation versus a sql on a database yeah yeah database yeah like cursors like cursors yeah, yeah because yeah. oftentimes people would compare it like that um but but my view of it is that that cursors are kind of like half lazy because it, you as a program you can say okay give me the next value next value next value and it, and it, mm. it sometimes it does a prefetch and it brings back you know a megabyte or 32k or whatever over the over the wire and it, and it will it seems lazy it seems like it's evaluating that lazily um mm. but actually it really isn't you know because if yeah, because you, the whole if yeah. you go on the database server side mm-hmm. it, it has evaluated it mm. and that that's a, that's so a it, huge difference to me between what this what the these kind of things are this enclosure model, this yeah. model enclosure and 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 the database cursor model yeah because if i if i have two infinite sequences in a database that doesn't exist mm. yeah. yeah i can't yeah. i can't generate that well the classic one mm. is the cartesian product isn't it if i if i mm. yeah. do a query you know select star from emp and uh personnel and i just do a cartesian yeah. product across the two the two uh, yeah. related two tables um then you know, if those two tables happen to be a decent size, the database yeah. is going to blow up. 
yeah of course <laughs> then it is going to put everything into the memory and then trying to but but from from the reading point of view or the network you will still think there is a cursor being available so i'm going to ask for the next one next one next one well the thing is it will never actually the funny yeah. thing about that is it will never come back because it has to realize yeah. the cartesian product first so that that's yeah. the opposite of lazy isn't it whereas with lazy you're doing yeah. it you know you, you're computing the next value on yeah. on demand whereas with the cartesian yeah. product you you yeah. you generate it all and then you give back yeah. the first record and you consume it lazily uh, and i mm. think that's the difference it's like the difference between like lazy consumption versus lazy generation yeah yeah that's true but i think i i remember somewhere maybe it's mongodb or something then you can have server server side cursors but yeah let's not talk about mongodb because i, I it's not uh, it's not fun i mean somebody <laughs> was saying that hey it's it's a snapchat for your data so <laughs> Well, it's so. not written in closure, so it doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're using it at work. I do know about it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's but, an interesting database. That, that's for a Mongo podcast. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But w- one of the one of the tricky parts with uh, having laziness is is this whole concept of holding on to the head, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're trying to realize something, and then if you if you the, he- keep, the head is uh, the head is a, the front, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The the front of the data structure. Well, front. Yeah, top. First. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> First. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So when you say f- uh, when you see the um, implementation of of this one, then what it would mean is that you you have a, a list, and and we were talking about uh, the the sequence abstraction on top of it. So you you have the first element, and then rest of it is again another sequence. And then you ask for the next element. Then you have the first element, second element, and then rest of it is a sequence. Now, if you are especially if you are iterating uh, which is probably a bad word in in functional programming um, if you are going over a collection then if you um, hold on to the head what would that mean is that you are having a reference to the data while you are going through the collection then it will accumulate into the memory and you will end up uh, you know getting out of memory error or something so that is that is a um, something that you need to watch out for how do you um, how do you prevent um, not not uh, yeah not not making too much um um not accumulating too much into the memory yeah so that is that is um yeah that is an interesting thing to watch out but um yeah but so what, what, how, how, are gonna, then, how are we going to uh, avoid that though well uh, i think one of the ways there are there are multiple ways you can you can identify it uh, i remember uh, there was a stack overflow post by michal marzik uh, explaining that uh, you need to monitor it. You can monitor it by using, um, what's it again? I think it's called the persist, uh, I'm sorry, no, it's it's not persistent queue, but um, the, the JVM has a couple of APIs that you can look out for and you can ask for, has it realized, is, is it something? Then you can write tests for it, uh, but it is pretty tricky. But whenever you're writing code, you need to make sure that you, you um, uh, when you assign a variable, uh, not a variable, but when you assign a var, uh, you need to know that you're you're going through the list and be careful in terms of uh, how you're consuming mm. from it. So that is um, yeah, cause, yeah, but because I think you have to. Be, there are lots of examples on the net. And yeah, I think it's very difficult to read out code in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the podcast. I think the difficult thing is, isn't it, is that when you're doing some of these yeah. operations, you it may it, you may sneak it can sneak up on you, can't it? I think that's uh, the yeah, sort of yeah. the, the the part of the problem. You have to be careful yeah. that uh, yeah. that you don't introduce some some 
function or some operation that uh, accidentally mm. makes you hold on to it. But okay, yeah, like mm. you say, uh, look it up on Stack Overflow, people. You know, when <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're punting on that one. <laughs> exactly. It's it's an issue. Yeah, yeah, be aware of it and uh, look it up. Yeah, okay. So yeah. we're we're not being very helpful there. <laughs> we can't solve yeah, we but, can't solve all the problems. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't don't hold on to the head. Yeah, don't hold on to the head. That's what don't we want to, to just say exactly. that. Yeah. But actually, yeah. talking about that kind of thing is that mm-hmm. definitely there were some occasions, aren't there, where you do you know like like uh, Simon Payton Jones there. You want to be eager sometimes. Yes. Um, so yes. you know if you're going to do some side affecting things or you're going through some mm-hmm. list where you want to print some stuff out. The classic example is you go, th- you get this list, and you should you you, you think you're going over a, a like a uh, like a database. You you're going over some mm-hmm. set of operations on this thing, and then you, you run the function, and nothing happens. It's like, oh, what mm-hmm. happened here? You know, uh, yeah. but actually, it's all because it's being evaluated lazily. So it can it can be a surprise when you first when you first come to the language. Um, yeah, then you you need to know. Ah, okay, actually. Uh, this is this is the benefit of being lazy, but but I don't want it in this occasion. So what do you do? Then you have to use this uh, this do all or do seek um, thing, where where you want to force the generation of the of the the list of the uh, of the of the sequence operation. So there's just 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 a, just a little comment there that you know typically you don't want to do that, but if you do want to yeah. do that, then you have the options to to be able to do it as well. But you were telling me something exactly. uh, something beforehand about. Uh, about some performance trick that you've been using recently yeah, yeah. with, uh, with so, so these persistent the, the data structures. Exactly. So the, the, there is an interesting, uh, as you're pointing out, I mean, you're using lazy and then sometimes you want to be eager. So you have functions for it, like do all, uh, do seek, you know, to, to realize the whole thing. So you have an option of going the going to the other side. And in the persistent data structure world, as, as, as we were trying to explain, that um, there is a copy made Every time you want to create a new version of the of the data, so every time you're appending, every time you're concatenating or conjoining, uh, you, you're creating a new new version of it. So, but th- there are situations where you you don't want to create a new copy because of the performance reasons. So that's where uh, you use a transient data structure or the transient function. So what you can do is create a transient version of the data structure that 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 uh, you want to use. And uh, you have operations that uh, take advantage of the mutability. Uh, and then once you are done, you can convert it back into a persistent data structure and then give it back to the world. So one, um, one example, I think uh, it's, it's in the uh, probably Closure Applied book by Alex Miller as well, is that um, when, you, when you want to load large amount of data, uh, then essentially creating, um, if you are doing this um, con- conj or, um, I don't know, concat or ashosh, whatever, yeah. then then it is going to be a big performance hit because you, you are loading bulk data and you don't want to keep creating copies. Then then you want to take advantage of the performance. So it's 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 pretty nice use case for, for you know, jumping, it, it's, it, that is the choice that you have. So you, you can make it program faster, I think uh, at least four or six times by, by switching to transient locally within that function to load the data, and then once you're done, you just give a persistent data structure back. So that's that's an imp- interesting performance trick. So that's cases where you where you basically want to front load some. Obviously, the perfor- yeah. performance is predictable anyway. But but the so mm. what you're talking about here is like you want to front load some data, like from a log or something like that. Pull it all into memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
you, you want to do some small operations on it to, to maybe parse it or to filter some stuff on it, but you don't want to pay the exactly. cost of uh, a generation every time you do an source yeah. or a conj on it. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm obviously nervous of saying that it's... Uh, that the performance is bad. It's just that you, you're you're tuning for no, it no, in no, that particular use case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is the choice that you're making when you're using closure. But the thing is, it gives you enough uh, defaults are pretty awesome. But then at the same time, you're you're whenever you have to reach out to the other tools, you, there are there are workarounds available. Yeah. And and another example is that the type hints, right? I mean, type hints help you to prevent reflection. And then you don't need to use them, but especially when you need them, they're there. So you can make them use primitives. You can make them use the real uh, uh, types so it doesn't need to do reflection. So uh, if, if you're going towards, okay, I want to make it really performant, then then you have access to these kind of uh, tricks. Yeah, you can, you can that, that's the idea. Take, off, take, off, take away some of the defaults to, to get some, yeah. uh, some big benefit. Uh, but like you said, I think what, what you're saying is a nice trick, though, where you keep it very local to one function and uh, it mm. just does its work and it's, it, it knows that it's safe to do it. Um, yeah, because obviously you don't want to you don't want to be giving back transient collections because that that would be a horror show because you get you, yeah. you lose all of this wonders. Of, uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, it should always be local and controlled. Yeah. so that's yeah. the that's the idea. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Well, we probably should uh, move on finally just to some some general things like uh, from yeah. from the community because I think we've talked a lot about the kind of core stuff, haven't we? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just just a quick shout out. Uh, well, there's a lot of publicity around it because he he made the keynote at Closure West. But uh, Nathan Mars did a great job here in terms of uh, this uh, Spectre library. That yeah. uh, we were talking earlier on about. Sometimes you get back different values from the conj or the concat or the source or whatever. Mm. And he he made a, a, a the Spectre thing, which is uh, which gives you a lot more control over that. You have a much more ability to to specify um, consistently and easily what the uh, what the output data structure is going to look like, and I think that's really it's going to be very nice where you've got you know big data problems. I think, um, yeah. and I, I like the fact that he's 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 taking it to the next level as well and making it open so that you can extend his types also. You can extend the library, um, so to apply all of the kind of navigational and editing stuff that he's put out there. Yeah, um, but I think also we we had a look at some other uh, community contributed collections as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, there was uh, one by uh, obviously Michal Marzik has been yes, a prolific yes. uh, contributor to Closure yeah. and Closure Script. Big shout out and, to uh, Michal. Yeah, Michal. Yeah, yeah. He he is pretty awesome, and uh, he was very kind to come to uh, Dutch Closure Days, and uh, he gave a talk at uh, one of the previous uh, Dutch Closure Days as well. And um, so he he's one of the um, guys who is working on the data structures a lot and, and he made um, his own version of the AVL trees yeah. um, which is um, basically a tree data structure um, but much more um, what they call like a balanced uh, tree so the height is optimized so you have access to the nodes pretty uh, in a, in a um, uh, with, with less number of hops uh, less number of average hops uh, it's basically weight balanced things I, I, I wrote down the names of AVL uh, Russian scientist though. Um, so AVL is Georgi Adelson Velsky AV and L is Evgeny Landis I apologize to the, all the Russian listeners 
that, that's what that's what I could you know I I, I tried my best and you know, I really hate to pronounce names wrong but anyway so that's the avial trees and he also did um, a, um, a concurrent uh, lock free data structures uh, which are based on uh, which are which are which is an idea that is implemented in in Scala before called C trees uh, C trees I think they're still pronounced as trees but written as T R I E S I think it's very confusing um, yeah. Yeah, I think so just, uh, it's it's a tree, but with I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the 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 AVL thing, by the way, I I, I need mm. to use that one of these days for uh, like oh. the stream processing stuff because I think the uh, okay. he has these time rank queries which which yeah. I haven't used yet, but I've I've been very I was I did a a blog post about time time processing oh. um, with okay. uh, a core async. But but somebody suggested to me that if you put them into these AVL data structures, you can you can get um, this time ranking um, for it didn't it wasn't really oh, yeah, it yeah. wasn't really relevant for my use case, but but uh, but I think it looks very interesting for a lot of this uh, event stream processing where you have these time windowed series and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, great job by by Mikhail Marchik there. Michael, and, uh, yeah, yeah. We're definitely yeah. uh, great guy. Uh, yeah. often does presentations at the conferences as well so yeah, yeah. yeah very good and yeah. um, oh, Chris Hauser of course in the early days he did a mm. lot of stuff and he has this still has this um, data.zip for uh, yep. for filtering trees um, he's also yep. got a lot of XML support in there that's really good and mm. uh, the, the other thing I noticed that the, the last Closure West was this um, guy Peter Shuck um, okay. He did the uh, the lean hash maps, so mm. actually taking f taking this whole um, HAMT thing we talked about earlier on. This um, yeah, oops, uh, this hash ha hash array hash array map tree Mapped. again yeah. tree with a yeah. with a with an R with an, an IE, IE. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, there's been some researchers, uh, a paper by Stanford and Vinju uh, last year. Um, talking mm. about how to do these lean hash maps, and mm. they've got some some claims at least in terms of iteration and equality checking, which are quite impressive. Um, mm. And I know that uh, he's talked to David Nolan about uh, performance checking these things. He wrote them in ClojureScript, by the way, uh, oh, and they're okay. they're looking at thinking and seeing whether these 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 improvements in performance for certain operations actually hold for all the operations so obviously you don't want you know you, you don't have a swings and roundabouts thing you want to try and win everywhere or at least keep everything kind of stable but have some improvements mm. in some areas that's what we're looking for isn't it um yeah, yeah. but the thing about it, actually the thing he mentioned which was quite interesting was that he it was a lot less code so he he thought that it was Apart from anything else, you know, was uh, a, a cleaner implementation. Uh, but so a very good presentation, I think. Very well, well worth the watch. So shout out to Pete yeah, on yeah. that one as well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see that, but I'll, I'll probably watch it now <laughs> <laughs> because you get a quick summary or a TLDR for that one. And of course, there there is also um, another. Uh, uh, I think it's part of uh, Closure uh, Core as well. The the priority maps or the data priority map. So you can have a sorted map, but you can associate some sort of a priority into it. So the um, entries are sorted based on the priority. So there are lots of nice libraries available out there. I think we'll put links on the on the on our um, blog 
so people can look it up. Right. I think the priority maps are by Mark Engelberg. Yeah, um, it's a closure family, that isn't it? Him and his him and his son yeah, yeah. seem to do uh, incredible uh, work around closure. The the oh, Engelberg yeah, yeah. Uh, Engelberg troop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. I don't know. I think. Uh, We've we've actually just passed the hour mark, so I think we should probably stop yeah. now. <laughs> I suppose so, because otherwise the people who are using our uh, podcast as the workout uh, yes, counter, they're in the shower. And it might be overworked. It's going to ruin their, ruin their <laughs> MP3 player. Yeah, we don't be we don't be blamed for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All but, right. So, what? Uh, anything? Final final comments, Vijay. Uh, I'm 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 wonder, I'm still wondering about what we're going to talk for the next time. I, I know we we talked about um, the asynchronous models and stuff, so probably we'll pick up on uh, stream programming and concurrency and asynchronicity um, a bit. But um, yeah, we, we'll 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 um, uh, explain it in the in the next podcast, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll come up with that. All right. But it's it's obviously the podcast is available on on the regular outlets. Um, it's available uh, soon. Uh, if you are listening to this, I think it should be available now. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a yeah, that's a self fulfilling uh, thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll post the notes to Defend.audio Audio, and um, obviously SoundCloud will be there as well. And we'd really appreciate if you give us feedback on um, on, on Twitter or uh, via Reddit or Google Groups as well. I'll, I'll post the links. And we are also available on uh, Clojure um, Slack. And um, I'm, I'm also occasionally idling on uh, IRC, if, uh, if people who are still using it oh, or not. Yeah. I don't know. That, I, I'm never on yeah, there, yeah. actually. But, uh, okay. But you're you're, you're <laughs> more idle, social idle. than I am, anyway. Yeah. Uh, maybe online, I think. In person, <laughs> probably I'm not that social. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so that's good. Thank yep. you very much. Uh, I think we just yep. oh one last credit actually. Um, we have yep. to do these things, and it's a, a, a awesome bit of work by uh, Pizzeri. Um He mm-hmm. did the intro outro music for us, and I really like that actually. I think it, it's it's a very nice uh, tune for our for our podcast. Uh, I was uh, yeah. I, I hope that people uh, enjoy that music when they when they, when they get the podcast downloaded and get sat in their their, their chairs or yeah. their cars or whatever and uh so thanks thanks to Pizzeri for that melon hamburger is the uh, is the is the title of that track so go and check him out on soundcloud because mm-hmm. he's doing a great job there yeah. so that's it so vj so, thanks very much thanks ray and uh, it's been fun again and uh, we're going to come up with the episode five pretty soon <laughs> so see you next time then mate yeah see you bye bye